Golden West Radio now brings you the Lawn and Garden Journal. Get your questions ready. Our toll-free line is open at 1-800-374-3315. Now, here's your host, Carla Hersina from St. Mary's Nursery and Garden Center. Good morning, everyone. It is the 28th of October, and how quickly... How quickly have we gone from pumpkin pie to pumpkin carvings? Yes, Halloween is just right around the corner, and I can't believe how fast this year has gone. So just to let you know that uh, today we have the Lawn and Garden Journal, and November 4th, I think, is our last day. So if you want to call in with your questions or just say hi or let me know uh, questions for next year, what are you thinking about gardening for next year? It's coming up and there's so much to think about. We're already planning to, but right now the celebration is the excitement on getting those pumpkins set for the kids, putting our hands deep in and pulling out, yes, the guts of a pumpkin. So today the little tribute is to my friend Jack. Jack comes every year to visit me and his grin makes me smile. Nearly toothless, he doesn't care. He happily laughs all the while. Eyes a-glowing with mirth and merriment, he makes this time a year very happy, though he's not in much conversation, and he has no repertory snappy. Jack just stays for a few weeks every year when he le- the leaves turn yellow. He's as welcome as he could possibly be. He's quite the funny old fellow. Now the sun goes down and the moon comes up and the costume monsters come a-calling. Light a candle to get Jack going. Fast, the evening tide's falling. All Halloween night he sits with me, grinning to greet the neighbors. Tis his candle's gone and he goes to sleep. These hours I truly savor. So long, old Jack, tomorrow's November, soon to come. We'll see you again next year when you come and visit from the pumpkin patch. We will all be waiting right here. Yes, Halloween's just around the corner. And yes, we're live today. I truly missed you. I was away on some business. And yes, I miss our early morning Saturday conversations on gardening. And we only have two more. Yep, this one and one more. So if you want to give me a call. Let's chat about gardening or what's happening. There are things that we still have to do in the garden. And there are still things that we can do for preparation for bringing our plants and caring for our plants indoors. And yes, there's a little conversation about amaryllis and maybe, uh, yes, I'm going to say the P word, poinsettias are going to be coming in soon. So the lines are open. 1-800-374-3315. So, no matter if you are far or near, are you still in the autumn mode, enjoying those beautiful colors? Uh, my son was uh, able to get away, too. He was gone at the same time I was gone, except for he was able to go to West Virginia, and he sent me the most beautiful photo of somebody, like his landing over top of the trees in West Virginia. So, I was a little uh, amazed and in wonder of the colors of the West Virginia hills as he's landing on this mountaintop versus me coming home to a white out that's in here. But there's benefits of that too. 
We're going to go right to lines. Mary is waiting. Hi, Mary. Hi. Hi. I want to ask you, when do you trim the hibiscus? In the spring or in the fall? I don't remember. You can do it either or. Oh, okay. Sometimes if I say if it's a very young plant that's one or two years old, I usually don't suggest pruning it right away. Oh, no, it's older. Yeah, so if it's older, there's sometimes the benefit of enjoying the seed heads or the flower heads that stay up because they they are quite dominant. If the mm-hmm. snow isn't heavy, they look pretty. No, and I've got it growing in the house. The, oh, is this a florist type or a one that's in the garden? Would you believe my mom planted it? Like little, little, stub, little plants. And okay. she gave all of us uh, a little plant. And I've got it growing. It was, it was red, and from a red, it went to a double. Okay, so if you have a florist-type hydrangea, um, if it's finished blooming, you can cut those blooms off. Mm-hmm. That's all it. Because there's a conversation where we also grow in our industry a lot of hydrangeas that are grown for a gift-giving. They're houseplant types. They're not hardy to our zones. Whereas there's a lot of hydrangeas that are bred for our gardens, which have that hardiness that stay you know, in our overwintering in our gardens. But oh, I didn't like know you that have... you can have in the garden. Yes, you can, but oh. don't put yours in the garden because <laughs> if she gave it to you as a houseplant type, unless you have a name. If you have a name on it? No. No, okay. Oh, no, my, my plant's over six. It's over what? six feet tall. Ooh, in the house? Yeah. And it's it's a hydrangea or hibiscus? Uh, hibiscus, I should say hydrangea. Hibiscus. Okay. okay, hibiscus is totally a houseplant that's in here. Mm-hmm. So um, you can pinch them back. If it's six feet tall, you can do it. But if it's in bloom, no, don't do it when it's not in bloom. No. Okay? And most of the times when we like to do our pruning, even our plants outdoors, we like to do that when they're in sort of the dormant state. And because the light levels are a little lower... And it's not growing actively as much. You can mm-hmm. probably do it now. Okay. Thank okay. you. You're very welcome. Okay. Bye-bye. And Mary, I forgot to ask you, where are you calling from? Winnipeg. Well, it's a, a white morning in Winnipeg. Merry Christmas. <laughs> well, that's coming up. That's coming up. Okay. <laughs> Enjoy your day, Mary. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. But even our house plants. They take on the tones of sometimes the same kind of scenarios as our outdoor plants because dormancy happens and that's one of our clue things too. Before I go to Esther, I should mention that we do have snow on the ground, but we also uh, have to think of the things that we can do with them. You can still look for some branchings that are crossing. So that's pruning. So there's a lot of conversation. Let's go right to lines because it's a very short two days that we have coming up. Esther's on the line. Good morning, Esther. Good morning. Good morning. And where are you calling from this morning? Dan Cross, again. Oh, <laughs> hello. Welcome back. Okay, I had trouble with the glads this year. First I had aphids, and then the thrips moved in. Oh, okay. Throughout most of my flowers. Okay, what do I do with them now to not have this problem next year? 
Okay. Well, have you dug? Well, um, I'm not going to say obviously you're dug your bulbs up. Yes. One of one of our uh, one of our girls yesterday said before she came into work, she said when the snow fell, going from like a 12 degrees, she ran out yesterday (laughs) and dug up her dahlia bulbs, which were still in the ground. So we might, Esther, let's give everyone a shout out to say, okay, if your bulbs are in the ground, they're chilling nicely. Let's get them out. But Uh um, yeah. So, uh, if you can store the and you've, how did did you lift them I, I and did, let the soil dry? I powdered them with diatomaceous earth last year when I put them in the storage, and I put some powder in the ground when I planted them. Yeah, they still got the problem. Oh, you know, uh, sometimes when you're overwintering some bulbs, you may have some of them overwintering on them a little bit more. So uh, gone are the days or some of. Um, some of the things that we used for eradicating that. Uh, Mm -hmm. It might be probably best in certain areas that um, sometimes I've actually gotten rid of some of my bulbs that have had very hard problematic areas on it because it's just a reintroduction. Um, You can do the diatomaceous earth again, but um, it's all dependent on weather and everything else of how they mature and how they sort of take off again, you know? Um, Even the the new bulbs that I bought and planted in a different section, they still had the problem. They still had the problem, too, as well. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Well, sometimes if you can introduce uh, natural predators, that is another purpose or another area that you can do, too, as well. Um, Yeah, they all come come into the house now at this time of the year when they should be in the garden. Yes, the ladybugs. The ladybugs are coming in. You saw exactly where I was going with that one. Um, Because natural predators will, you know, they will find the source. And the natural predators, like our ladybugs, uh, they know where their food source is. So I know that uh, some of the garden centers actually incorporate uh, ladybug. You can purchase Believe it or not, you can purchase bagged ladybugs from some of your fine garden centers and when you start to get them. And the ladybugs usually are in the market around July that's in there. And you can actively put them in the areas where you think that you have your uh, infestation. So they can help you with that because they love thrips. They love um, aphids, you know, uh, even lacewings. So sometimes the lacewing bugs will find them too as well. But... To reduce the populations, like even, uh, like I said, even in some instances where you have a high population of infected plants, it's probably best to destroy the plants because it's incumbent on that plant. Okay? Oh. I'm sorry. I have a lot, I have a lot yeah. of them. I depreciate the them. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's hard. It's hard. Um, you know, uh, that's probably the best, but again, I would be adamant with the diatomaceous earth because it may help it too as well. That's on. Yeah, just, okay. just to get to get rid of them now doesn't make sense because say when I bought new ones, they had the problem too. Yeah, well, the thing is, if you plant them in the same areas, other plants around them may be overwintering or harboring those thrips in that area. So that's part of the sort of the so overall nothing, area too. Nothing. Nothing other than the diatomaceous earth to to powder them for the winter. There's nothing else I can do to not get for rid powder. Of. Not for powder. In uh, before we used to have some powdered uh, dust that had a little stronger yeah. aspect to it. Um, or the first thing that you can do is when you actively start seeing the growth, you could use uh, bug X out 
in the spring. So oh. that would be a spray application that you would do on the foliage as soon as you start seeing it growing. And the thing is, it seems like when you apply it, you're maybe applying it before you're putting it on. You're thinking, why am I doing this? But um, they multiply quite quickly. So sometimes when you do see them, that's when your highest population is on it, and it's already caused a lot. So yeah. when you actively see the growthing on it, maybe take some pre-measures, and there is a product called Bug X Out. So okay. try, try, yeah, try using that. And that you get it in a concentrated form. Uh, it's a, sort of a more earth-friendly application that you can use for foliar mm-hmm. sprays um, on gardens, okay? Okay. Another question. Uh, poinsettia, I do get it to bloom. I don't even put it in the dark anywhere. It stands on the window in the living room, so the TV comes on, the yard light. But it does get flowers, the red bracts, but they're very small. Do I fertilize this thing in winter? Yes, if you want to. Uh, now you should be, like, as it's actively growing, because poinsettias... Uh, usually come in a peat-based mixture, which is light. But at the beginning, there may be some nutrient-based um, fertilizer in those soils. But if uh-huh. you're continually growing that plant in that soil, you should be uh, adding extra nutrients, which is the okay. fertilizer. So, yes, fertilize. Okay? Okay. And another quite last question. Citrus trees in the house, like the lemon and the mandarin, they are full of fruit now, but they're also starting to bloom again. I know it's wintertime, and you're not supposed to fertilize these things, but they do need something now, well, don't if, they? Yeah, if they're, if they're still actively flowering and still actively fruiting, I would still continue it because you probably have that perfect spot where it's going, I love it, I'm given the conditions for growing, then I would continue, because especially when they're flowering, because when they're flowering, okay. the energy that a, a flower takes out of a plant is a lot, mm. especially when okay. you're fruiting. Especially fruiting. That takes a lot of energy out of you, right? So, well, they've got, they've got the fruit and they're starting to flower again, so... Oh, and if you... I can just imagine walking by that in your home because the scent of those orange and citrus blossoms, huh? it's, <laughs> it's intoxicating. It's beautiful. That must be gorgeous. Yes. That continue to, uh, continue to fertilize... And when okay. it stops fruiting and stops flowering, then you can go to a, a slightly reduced measure on it. Because, again, you're growing in a container pot, and if it's been in there for a long period of time, uh, with the types of soils, there could be limited nutrients that are in that soil. Okay? Okay. What numbers, are, what numbers am I looking for on the fertilizer? Well, if you're looking on the fertilizer, we generally run on our houseplants pretty close to a 20-20-20 ratio. Okay. Okay. Okay? Good. Thank you. Okay, wonderful. Have a great weekend. You too. Okay, bye-bye. If you've just tuned in, if you're snuggled under a blanket or just having a cup of coffee with a a little duvet on top of you, yes, it's the gardening morning, and we're going to go right back to the lines. Kathy is on the line waiting. Good morning, Kathy. Good morning. I'm calling from Winnipeg. Well, it seems to be a Winnipeg morning uh, that's in there, so that's great. And uh, to everyone else around us, uh, we hope that you're having safe. Take it easy on the roads out there. I forgot to mention some of it was a little slippery early this morning. But uh, how can we help you this morning? Um, The asparagus. I have asparagus now growing for three years. I didn't pick any this summer and spring. Um, How do I pick them? Because they're all coming up pencil thin, and I want them finger thick. I don't want them thin. 
Uh, sorry, say that again. I don't want them pencil thin. I want them a nice size, like thick. Okay. All right. So if you're growing, um, okay, they're, so they're a little bit, and the, the plants are only three years old? Yes. Okay. When that, I find that when you're uh, working with some of your asparaguses, to ensure that uh, you're getting thicker stalks, a couple of things that I found that is um, water your plants, try and water, reg- I know it's hard to say when you water regularly, <laughs> it's hard to say that, but um, try and water them regularly so, so that they avoid going into a dry condition that's on it. And ensure the other thing is try not to give them too much nutrients on there because sometimes rich soils give high nutrients, which may cause stretching and elongation on some of the plants. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I'm just I'm trying to think about some other things that could help you with that. That's all right. But I also find that as the plants mature, you will get that thickening on your asparagus. Young plants seem to be a little bit thinner when the spires come up. Okay, so those spires that come up and go into fern, uh, are you supposed to cut them off? Well, I would leave those. I would leave it into a ferning state for probably one, two, three years myself, because the more that you let it grow, the more that you will go through it. So, usually, people harvesting doesn't happen till after the second, third year that's on there, because you will see that they will start to thicken up. They have multiplied really quite tight, but uh, uh, the fern is about uh, two feet high or so. Wow. And um, I, I'm, I, I left it all summer, but and it's even on now <laughs> with snow, but um, I, I don't know if I should have cut it for the winter or leave it well, on. You, no, well, sometimes the, there's two trains of thoughts because um, our environment is very white in the, in the winter. So you can cut them down if you want to cut them down because it's all this new... Um, asparagus tips are going to come from the bottom, right? Yeah. It's a very airy type of plant. So if it doesn't get knocked over by the snow, A, um, it's going to stand up and give you a little bit of winter interest. The other thing, too, is if we don't remove foliage from plants, what happens is they they fall over and they actually create sort of this enveloping little cover for their rooting system. So in nature... They're protecting their own roots, and snow will fall on top of them, and it gives them a little bit more protection. Okay? Okay. The other question, my tomatoes this year, were they had a lot of hard spots and white spots. I was told it was a bug. How yes. to pretend protected from that? Yeah, that little guy, when you get... Um, when you get that on there, and that's hard because they're, I know exactly what you're talking about. It's when you cut into the tomato and it, it's like, oh my gosh, like um, it's a little bit tougher in those spots because those, yeah. it, it is, it's called a stink bug, a stink bug. And that little, oh. that little stinker <laughs> is um, eating the nutrients right from the plants that's on there. Mm. So again, you can use, uh, you I, sometimes I go directly to diatomaceous earth because that is a little bit more friendly. But if it's if it uh, rains, you're gonna have to reapply it. You can also use that bug X out as well. That's on there. Um, bug, bug out. Bug, bug X out. Bug out. 
yeah, bug X out. Um, those are a couple ways that you can do it, and it's so disheartening. I know I had some on some of my tomatoes this year, and during the day I could not see them, so I think they were most active at night. Yeah, so if you, if see you any see. ever, but I know they, something did that. Yeah. Buddy. So, yeah. So most of my times if I'm going to try and do an application, I usually try and do it later in the evening when the winds are calm and when they're probably a little bit... Uh, more open to exposing themselves to birds and everything during the uh, during the day. Okay. And it's a spray. It's a dust. One is a dust and one is a spray. What was the other one called? A diatomaceous earth. Oh my that's god. That's a dust. That's the dust. Okay. Okay. Thank diatomaceous. <laughs> diatomaceous earth. Oh, okay. 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 Yeah. Thank All you. Right. Thank you, Kathy. Okay, thank you. Bye. Okay, have a great weekend. You too. Thank you. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. You're listening to the Lawn and Garden Journal. Before we go to our next caller, um, someone had sort of said, what do I do with my outdoor containers at this time? Well, if your outdoor containers are empty with um, your annual displays, maybe before you pull everything out, or maybe you pull out a portion of it, and it makes a welcoming little Halloween display if you have some of your old penicetum rubrums which have gone dry maybe add a few uh, sticks to it like some curly willow or dogwood sticks and if you have mini pumpkins and gourds you can put that around it or elevate your pumpkin from off the step which may be a tripping hazard and use your big put your jack-o'-lantern yes we're talking about jack again put your jack-o'-lantern in your one of your large planters to elevate it off the ground. It's more visible and it's safe and it's away from the the steps, which gives it more opportunity for people to come and visit you. Uh, That's a little bit of a tip. And again, remember, pretty soon, jack-o'-lantern is going to go and it's soon ready to start with your evergreens, birch poles, and doing those creative holiday uh, arrangements. I know our Christmas greens just arrived where they're chilled and ready to go. So it's kind of nice. We're going from two seasons, boom, one right after the other. Well, let's go right back to lines. Tina is waiting. Good morning, Tina. Yes, good morning. Good morning. And where are you calling from? Oh, I'm calling from Winnipeg. Well, it's a win- like. Well, again, I'm going to say, if you just tuned in, Winnipeg, good morning. If you just tuned in from anywhere else in Branda, Zoda area, and I know I have someone way down south that usually visits, good morning. Yes, <laughs> How can we help you? Uh, me? Are you talking to me, Tina? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I just want to tell you about my poinsettia, what I drowned in February. All the, oh, leaves, yeah, all the leaves died. Yeah. And I took it out of the pot because it was just watered. <laughs> I guess we watered it far too much. So the leaves all dried up. But I took it out of the pot and had it just sitting right on top of whatever. So my hands did uh, dried out the dirt, and then I put it back in, and just a few leaves start coming out. But I put it outside in the summertime in the flower bed. And just now, Monday or Tuesday, it was my grandson. I asked him, can you get my uh, poinsettia and bring it into the house? And that's beautiful leaves covered. I can't believe it. It came back. Well, sometimes, so, go ahead. Yeah, so when, when should I uh, say you should have for 12 hours uh, in the dark and 12 hours light? Yes, I would start putting it into a room that you have uninterrupted light change. Okay. Or if you don't have that, get a, uh, get a cardboard box big enough 
that you can just slide it gently over top of it so you don't break any of the branches mm -hmm. of it. But they are one of those ones, uh, just like even some of our zygos or holiday cactus, they need light, dark timing in between to give them that flip to chart changing color. But I would, I would do that now, yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I didn't know for sure when I should start, so... Yep, start yeah. it, and you will start to see that you see the transition. Uh -huh. I know the stems look a little bit red uh, just before the leaves. The stems look a little bit red already. So. You, can, you know what? You're right, because sometimes, like our poinsettias, gone are the day that poinsettias are available in red. You can now get them in marble, pink, white. And uh, I have to giggle, because years ago, we had someone come in and say they wanted a blue hydrangea. Well, there's no blue hydrangea. Uh, that's usually a florist uh, type of uh, spray that you use for floral items for fresh. So there's no blue poinsettias yet, but uh, it aren't. The, we're already thinking about poinsettias, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. Well, I figure. Oh, I forgot almost about bringing my plant in. So, and I have it. It's what four years now since I have it. It's just like a little tree. So it, the stems are very like a tree. Actually, I don't know. It's, I've never seen anything like that. Some other ones. They're just kind of soft uh, branches, and they somehow just die. But this one's just, uh, four years old. Well, so this, would be, this would be because of its age. Because yeah. you think naturally poinsettias come from uh, the Mexico and southern areas, right? Oh, so yeah. they grow naturally for them. That's mm. part of their environment down there. Mm -hmm. So as a, a plant matures, that soft-stemmed soft cells turn into more of a woody tissue. Okay, this is like a tree, this wood, you know, stems. So, yeah, and that's only about, uh, maybe, two, uh, I don't know, if the two feet, two and a half, no, not quite, ah, but two feet tall. It never grows very tall. Yeah, well, so, that sounds beautiful. And yeah, I, I, again, I give you a green thumb up, because <laughs> putting your poinsettia outside where our summers are hot and yes. sunny, that is the best place for them. Uh-huh, yeah. Okay, then, then I should start already uh, putting it uh, in the dark. Yes, start mm -hmm. it. Okay? okay? Okay, then, thank you very much. Yeah, I figured the leaves were all, I just drowned it. It was dead, I thought. Now, it's uh, rewind, <laughs> so it's good. Okay, That's thank you. Good. Have a good day. Yeah, hey, you too, thank Tina. You. Yeah, bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. How quickly we go from gardening and, uh, you know, like for what the, uh, yeah, okay, I'm looking at the snow outside. And yes, there's snow on things, but there's still some tidying up to do. And this is a good time too that if you're out in the garage and the, it does get a little, little bits of warmer out there, you might want to take down your tools, wash them off, maybe sharpen them, get them all sharped and ready for ready to go for next year. Other things too, a reminder, yes, be like one of our gals here. Uh oh, I forgot the dahlias in the garden. Grab them. And even if you're placing your dahlias or uh, calla lilies and everything that's in there, give it a little bit of a dusting, whether you're using some peat or some uh, garden. There's bales of garden straw or uh, wood shavings. Make sure you give it a little bit of a dusting, and they want to go into a cool location, not an uh, area where it's going to freeze. These tender bulbs do not like it in areas where you're going to get it frozen so garages which freeze that's a no-no nice cool location maybe in the basement that would be perfect for them now tina gave us a really good indicator as for holiday plants that are coming up 
Yes, the season is amongst us. It's coming up very quick. I think, uh, was it last week? They said seven more Mondays till their holiday season. I'm talking Christmas. But there's things that we can start to do to prepare for that. And it's exciting. We get that white blanket that's out there and how quickly we envelop and change into the season. And again, it causes excitement for us. Yes, I love it. And I think that gardeners love those transition from seasons from one to one. And I have to say, Manitoba, we go through the four dominant seasons. And I'm going to say dominant because each one is welcoming. And each one gives us a different characteristics of awakening up to seeing what's happening. So exciting here is, yes, the amaryllis. We know that holiday is coming because if you know at St. Mary's, we're... Uh, we've got elf dust flying around here. Uh, our traditional holiday uh, expression launches November 12th. And of course, uh, the lights are going up. The decorations are coming out. And I have to say that the order of fresh greens, boughs, cedar, white pine, they showed up and that is the scent that you know that this season is changing. But the other activity that's happening is we got our amaryllis in. So the amaryllis bulbs have come in, and that is a true indicator. And it was kind of like educating people. Some people looked at them, and they come in uh, boxed style, so that you can plant them in a little bit of soil. And yes, the bulb size of your amaryllis does not need to go into huge soil amounts. They like to be kept, kept snug. So some of them are grown in soil and some of them have a trend to be grown just as is. If you see that some, there's a trend that's out there where the amaryllis is actually coated into either a wax form or the new trendy one that we have is one that has a a velvet texture that's been dipped around it. So these plants, like our tulips, like our other bulbs, store enough energy in the bulb to grow and to flower. So just imagine, it's uh, it's kind of like you got that Martha Stewart look, not because she's very crafty, and you can actually place these bulbs in a very decorative vase, maybe a glass one, just with it laid in, in maybe some gorgeous little pebbles and rocks, just to support it, and you will have this beautiful holiday bloom that's going to be coming up from it. That's kind of cool. So if you're looking for it, uh, check your garden centers to see if their amaryllis have come out, if that's where you're going to head to. But uh, look for ones that are either dipped, like some are dipped in gold and copper. New ones for us, we're going to be brand new for us. We're going to be dipped in a velvet coating that's on it, which is kind of cool. The other one that we have that I absolutely fell in love with is a white one with a botanical stamp that's on it. So yes, make gardening fun. We're always creating things that are a little bit more like, ooh, that would look pretty in my house that's on it. Other things too, we're talking about our poinsettias. Thank you, Tina, for reminding us that we should be giving a shout out for everyone to start timing their uh, holiday poinsettias. <clears throat> Excuse me. But the other thing too, what about holiday cactus? Some of it may be Thanksgiving cactus or Christmas cactus or Easter cactus. These two are plants that are timed for transitioning into blossom or bloom with that day-night category. 
So we want to be able to do this. So if you're wanting that a little extra bloom, give it that transition. Put it into the room, the bedroom that maybe no one goes into, or maybe a different room, or do what I do. Put, or not here at the garden center. The garden center, we don't do it. But at home, the little box goes over top of the plant so we can transition and give it that colorant. But, oh, it's coming. It's coming quick. All right? Um, in my notes, there's so much to talk about before we go because I know that this is our second last show that's on it. Okay, uh, treating plants. I know that there's snow outside, but if we do get warm, if you haven't applied your dormant oil lime sulfur, you can put that on some of your trees if you've had issues with bugs that are out there. All right? If you have not, and this has happened, uh, we've had two or three phone calls this week about some nursery stock. I'm talking about trees and shrubs. The question was, there's snow on the ground. I did not get my tree planted yet. Can I plant it? Yes. If you can get a shovel in the ground, it's better to get that tree or shrub that you've not planted yet into the ground. You can scrape away the topsoil, which is that beautiful warm blanket that is keeping the warm ground underneath ready for receiving that tree. So you can scrape it away, dig your hole, and reapply it. Remember, when you're digging your hole, twice as wide, a little bit deeper, and only soil on the sides and the bottom, never adding extra soil on the top because that's where the tree has to remain. You don't want any extra soil up the collar of that trunk because I've seen more and more trees die because we want to take that little crook out of the bottom, that little crook at the bottom, don't cover it, don't add anything more up against the trunk, okay? And your tree is going to love it because it's going to be into that warm roots. Remember too, loosen up the root ball. That's another little hint. Loosen up the root ball so it's perceived in there. And if you see our guys out and about, we're still doing it. You'll see some of our big caliper trees still going in this week. Yep, it's beautiful. I've even seen it where sometimes we scrape the soil away. We break that crust of earth. And you can see how warm it is because a little bit of steam comes out. Visually, we put the tree in the ground. And I think I hear the tree go, ah, that feels so good. Thank you. All right. The other thing too is if you have not got your perennials in the ground, you can plant them, but make sure the most important key that's in there is get them in the ground. They will winter better in the ground if you can get it into the spot that you want it to. If some people have perennials that are in pots that they don't know where they want them to go, dig a hole, sink the pot into the ground, and let it stay dormant in that area until next spring when the ground thaws, you're going to be able to pop that pot right out of the ground and then do some spring planting with it. The key to late planting is to make sure that you have moisture on the original root ball, not around outside the pot, in the pot. And it's kind of nice that there's snow that's out there that's going to give you a little bit. Just remember though, when it melts, you may not get the amount of moisture for that plant to have complete moisture to the bottom of the pot. So you might have to take a pail of water out there, add a little bit of water to it, and it will be sustainably perfect, ready to go. All right. Now, the warm blanket of snow that's out there is the most important factor for insulating our trees, our shrubs, and nature. 
A little bit of leaf mulch that's out there too will help. If you haven't broken down any of your tree or your perennials, sorry, not your trees and shrubs, but your perennials, if they have fallen over, that's going to help with the insulating factor as well. Though, if you have had a problem with voles, those rascally little guys that run around and chew your lawn, uh, it may be, it's obviously too late to run the lawnmower over, but hopefully we were able to pull out and get rid of some of the leafy matter that's in there to prevent them from har- harboring in those areas. Okay. One of the other things that uh, is in my notes here is if you have a low dusting of snow on an area where you were trying to do some overseeding, I've been known to throw some grass seed on top of the dusting on some of my lawn because A, it will sink into the lawn, especially if we get some temperatures where it's sunny and it melts a little bit. Throw some grass seed on there. The snow will fall over and you will see that it's perfectly when the spring comes. It's a perfect time for helping those seeds to break and to start with the germination that's on there. There's so much to do. There's so much for gardening. And believe it or not, we are in the next mode because soon new seed will come. Thank you for listening, everyone. I hope you have a great weekend. Let's get together next Saturday for our last talk on the Lawn and Garden Journal. Bye-bye, everyone.